Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you're well. Today, we're going to be going down the route of uh, the money as a tool part where it's all about making a little bit more money and being able to increase your income streams or increase the income that you're you're getting through your bank account so you can use it to build a life that you want. And I'm going to be talking about something that I've not spoken about here on this podcast at all. In fact, actually, I'm probably going to learn a few things on this episode because it's not something that I know anything about. Although looking at my business and looking at some of the things that I actually want to do in terms of growing conversation of money, maybe into an app, this actually comes very much so into the conversation. And I wonder how do I actually go about learning it? The good news is I actually have someone who is well-versed in the topic at hand. And he is um, hes very, very impressive. And I'm going to let him introduce himself. But his name is Kingsley. He is the founder of Code Hearts. And it's a pleasure to have him on because I also understand that you're a Paralympian as well, Kingsley. Is that right? Hey, Peter. Uh, yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Give us a little background on you. Yeah, so I am a software developer. Uh, I am also a Paralympian. Uh, rowing is my sport. Um, I hardly see any difference, actually, between sports and, and coding. So I kind of have a nice blend of, of those two. Uh, I spend majority of my time these days uh, teaching uh, people how to code and getting them to, to transform uh, their current financial situation. So, so that's, um, I'm hoping to talk about that today and whatever else you want to ask. Perfect. So have you always been in, into coding? Is it, was that something you've just fallen, fallen into recently as, as a matter of course? Um, so I've been always into coding one way or another. I, um, I remember being a, as a child getting into trouble for unscrewing the television because uh, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to see how it worked. Uh, I got into big trouble for that. So <laughs> I've had that inquisitive uh, mindset, but I just didn't know where it was leading until uh, this magical things called iPhones came about mm-hmm. and revolutionized the, the whole world and apps and et cetera. So you, you said that there's a similarity between coding and sports. Yeah. Open up that a little bit more for me because that's not something that computes in my head when I hear that. <laughs> okay, so uh, sports is about incremental uh, improvements, uh, small wins, uh, getting up just a little bit earlier, uh, training just a bit smarter, eating a little bit healthier, and all adds up. And coding is all about uh, enhancing, it's about getting better at something. Um, and, and I find that to be really uh, useful for me. Uh, so when I train, um, rowing-wise, I keep data and I keep track uh, by emotional state. What did I eat last night? 
Why was my result good today? Why wasn't it that good? And that data uh, goes back as a feedback loop uh, into improving. And programming is exactly the same. Algorithms is finding patterns and things and improving on them. Wow. I, I wouldn't have made that connection between the two of them, to be honest. I definitely wouldn't have made that connection. But I, I guess you're right, really, to, to a certain extent. If your performance is being impacted because you can identify something that you did that impacted it negatively, then if you cut that thing out, make an improvement to it, and it improves Absolutely. it, then it obviously has a rhyme of reason and a logic that you can then that you can carry through to improve and boost your performance, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So usually when I talk to people about coding and I mention algorithm, people kind of switch off. Mm -hmm. They go, oh my goodness, we're going back into maths. I was never good at it. But it's basically down to uh, looking at patterns. Um, you know, we get up every morning, we do exactly the same things. Reach out for your phone, you go to the loo, you brush, you shower, you go to work, get into your car, we drive the same route to work. And all those things are algorithms, are steps and that, that we use to get from A to B. Uh, when it comes to coding, it's exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing. So, so the, the comparison uh, for me with sports was just uh, mind-boggling when uh, I got into sports properly and I realized that actually to get better at this, it's not about how much power you have, it's actually how smart uh, you can execute each step and how consistently uh, you could follow through. Amazing. So talking about coding, I wish that I kind of used, I've got a friend who's, who runs a, he started off as a design agency, uh, coding little bits and pieces. And like, I would love to build an app. And when you talk about technology these days, app-based stuff, websites, uh, all of this um, progression into AI, people always talk about coding and how coding should be something that I guess is taught to kids in school to give them the foundation to, I guess, this technology and the growth of technology over the last you know decade or so. Do you feel that it's an untapped resource at this point in time? And why do you think that the sector has actually exploded as much as it has? Yeah, so the sector is definitely... Um, looks like it's exploded. It's always been lucrative. There's always been a lot of money to be made in tech. Um, but it was it had a culture that was seen as, uh, you know, geeks uh, mm -hmm. are the people who are more interested in coding. And then things changed. But back in the beginning, when I, when I was learning to code, um, we did things like building e-commerce uh, and we had things like shopping carts or shopping baskets, which uh, had that kind of uh, link with real life uh, scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then gradually things have changed. The What we use technology for has blown up, which has basically created this whole new market. So today, if you are interested in uh, mindfulness, you'll find a mindfulness app. Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested in getting your food you know, delivered to you, look at Deliveroo. If you mm -hmm. want a place to stay, you look at Airbnb. So we're essentially uh, digitizing our entire society. Um, and that is a huge, huge thing. Mm -hmm. So the amount of time that we spend online, we spend within the digital world is actually increasing, uh, which is creating a huge amount of work. 
But at the same time, there's a dilemma, which is who has the attention span um, to actually see something through from start mm -hmm. to finish. This is mm -hmm. actually where I come in. Um, the most difficult aspect of coding is not just learning the technology. It's actually who can start it and who can finish it mm -hmm. due to the amount of uh, noise and distraction uh, that we have in today's world. So the expansion, essentially, uh, to answer your question, is, to, is due to the amount of uh, friction that our daily lives now has with tech and the fact that the new type of illiteracy would be down would now be defined by who knows more about tech and who doesn't know anything about tech. Mm -hmm. And this is incredible. Um, it's a huge, huge problem. Uh, children uh, really do need to learn how to code because we are interacting with machine more and more and more. And uh, the way we think these days is completely different to, to the way we used to when yeah. I was learning to code. So it's important to have that uh, introduction to to the younger generation absolutely it's interesting you say that you know um coding used to almost be seen as something that the geeks would basically do i i wonder do you think that that's changed because let's look at it probably some of the the most some of the richest people in the world so elon musk bill gates uh steve cook i guess you would probably class those guys as being the geeks and not the jocks in high school. Do you mm -hmm. think that that's had much of an impact on the popularity? <laughs> yeah, I, um, that's a difficult one to actually answer. I think um, geek is now, is now cool. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't always cool. Um, and I think that because the society we're living is now more accepting of everybody, Mm -hmm. So the identity of being a geek is no longer something to to discriminate against, you know, as a as as a norm. Um, so yeah, so those those people actually are shaping the world the world we're living. Uh, but there are different types of geeks now. Uh, it's no longer just the you know the bedroom kind of uh, geek who who just stays in the bedroom and codes all day all night. There's so many different types, and that is widening um, more and more. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you on that. And I think ultimately, I, mean, I don't necessarily like the label geek. I, I was probably, if you had to label me, I was probably a geek in school because I loved like reading books and writing and doing all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but if, yeah. If you if you really think about and I, it now, and I unscrewed the television to start off my <laughs> Yeah, <thing>. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if you really think about it now, like there are, like you're saying, different kinds of, I guess, if you were to label them geeks, you've got people who love gaming, but there's lots of money to be made in gaming. It's like, it's amazing how technology has exploded. And I wonder, what, what, how do you think the coding space will be impacted by things like the metaverse, for example? Because that's obviously software, hardware coming together. There's going to be a lot of coding in, behind that. How do you think the metaverse and things like that are going to impact you know, the importance of code, of learning code? Oh, yeah, massively. Um, the platforms that we used to write code on are constantly growing. Um, you know, there used to be a time when we only coded on computers. Mm -hmm. And today, if I were to, um, you know, show you a typical code, it's easy for me to explain to you because you interact with, with, um, with products on a daily basis. I wouldn't have to explain what a search bar is to you, what a button is to mm -hmm. you, because those are the things that you're used to on, a, on every single day. 
Um, a huge growing part of IT is IoT, Internet of Things, and coding things all around us. If you've been to a decathlon uh, store, um, sportswear and um, outdoors kind of um, shop, they have this very clever thing where when you buy stuff, you could put your items in a basket and it automatically adds up how much everything costs mm-hmm. without you having to scan every single item in there. And also it tells the store how much they have in store without having to uh, go through and do any stock count and all that kind of stuff. And that's growing. And the world of uh, metaverse and uh, hardware, software kind of coming together is going to be uh, something that will become a norm. I went to uh, Apple Store the other day. I wanted to get uh, one of those trackers for my dog. Mm-hmm. And you can have it on him and you can you can just chill. You don't have to worry about you know, where he is. You can track mm-hmm. him on your phone. You can see uh, where he's up to. If he runs off in the park, you can you can track him and, and you know, get him back. So it's going to be more and more normal for us, I think. Um, and that would also increase the type of developers that are required. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need developers who can write those type of hardware and developers who write for the web, for mobile, for your house, um, household things, for cars. So one of the questions I always get from people is, well, there's so many uh, programmers now and so many companies promoting learn to code. So surely the jobs are disappearing, right? Mm-hmm. But we actually, the, the market is growing faster than the developers um, actually, you know, um, who are available to take on those roles. So why, why do you is, think we're, that we're playing is? Catch up. Why do you think that is? Is it because of the length of time that it takes to uh, acquire the the knowledge and develop the skill set, or is it simply because it's it's progressing so quick that there aren't the couple of people already there? Yeah, it's progressing so quick. Um, it's progressing really, really fast, and there's not enough. I mean, Codehans exists because the the traditional. Uh, uh, universities, for example, can't keep up. Mm. Uh, they universities and schools, etc., exist to teach things that are traditional, things that don't change over time. Uh, but tech is constantly changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. And as the bigger companies, uh, the likes of Facebook, for example, they would use a product internally, and then release that product. Something called React. For that's an, a good example. So they will re- release this uh, software that we, uh, the rest of the world, have to learn and then you know, train ourselves to be able to do that, use that tool for our day job. Universities can't adapt to that type of change as quickly. So they have to focus on the traditional fundamental of programming, things that don't change over mm-hmm. time. So the time it takes to learn is... Uh, it's difficult to catch up with the innovation and the change that we are experiencing in the world of technology. And how important, how easy is it to pick up? Because obviously you've mentioned that, okay, so the universities, they will have a look at, you know, teaching the foundation, the rudimentary stuff, right? But then you're going to have all this fast moving developments across an industry and across a sector. So how important yeah. or how easy is it, I should say, is it to pick up that as a base knowledge and then to develop a skill set i mean you've done it so what was your journey like yeah so my journey really was a lot of trial and error a lot mm-hmm. of staying up to 2 3 a.m 
and trying to to get a piece of code to work and then hours later you realize you missed a comma in your code somewhere <laughs> uh, which can be really really frustrating um, so a lot of trial and error um usually when people talk about self-taught uh programmers i kind of sit and chuckle because um times have really changed um the way i'll promote learning to code is through mentorship is through finding somebody who has done and is a few steps ahead of you and learn from them mm. um so that's exactly what i'm offering um code hands is you know to code in an, in an ecosystem where you have other people such as yourself trying to learn from scratch and we have uh, commitments so you, you tell me what you're going to be doing in a week what you at um what you aim to achieve in a week and i set you some targets you watch videos in your own time your own space um so it's not difficult to learn to code you just need to have a few things in place you need to have a roadmap you have to decide uh, not what's the most popular programming language to learn but look at the job market and reverse engineer what you need to learn. What is the job asking for? And what are all the different moving parts uh, that make up that job? And set yourself a roadmap and say, okay, I'm going to start here. and I'm going to do this at this time. And in six months, this is where I'm going to get at. Mm. So, so that is exactly what I do. Uh, look at the job market, look at the tools and reverse engineer everything. Yeah. In terms of the job market, then you know what what are the kinds of roles that you typically find for you know coders um, that are available out there at the moment for anyone who's listening to this and thinking I've always wanted to learn code, I don't necessarily want to go spend X amount of thousands of pounds in university. What kind mm. of job what kind of job roles do you do you find that are out there to justify um, learning code for the opportunity? Because I think that's the important thing. If people are going to learn something, how do they actually then use it? Yes, exactly. So look at the things that we consume on a daily basis. Look at the things like um, like Deliveroo, um, for example, um, the Airbnbs, etc. So I concentrate on teaching people how to build uh, mobile and web apps uh, using uh, programming languages like Python, uh, JavaScript, um, learning the fundamentals. So if you've never ever coded before, you have to learn what exactly makes a website, what are the different things that come together. So there's something called HTML and CSS and JavaScript. Those are the front-end uh, programming language package, as it were. Then you can learn back-end uh, languages like Python, Ruby, PHP, or JavaScript, um, which now you can use um, with something called Node. Um, and then you learn a database, how to uh, put it all together. Um, so and you have the cloud infrastructure. Once you have an app created, where do you put that app um, so you can actually demo it uh, to people? So, so those are usually the starting places, learn the, uh, the foundational stuff. Then once you have um, a way of building an app, maybe you have an idea of your own, it's always good to build something because you learn even better when you are working on your own product mm -hmm. or something that you can demonstrate to people. Um, on average, it takes about six months of proper work. Uh, this is not this is five days 
to six days a week mm-hmm. of consistency and you'll be able to uh, to get yourself ready uh, and, for the job market. And what would you say are kind of like pay brackets within that? Because I, I mean, I do a lot of coaching and I know some people that I've done some coaching for who are working for, I had, I've got one lady who worked for Google. Really good pay. Really, really, mm-hmm. really good pay. But is that... Yeah. Is that common across the tech sector? I think tech is quite hot right now. But what are the? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so the pay um, really, really varies. So, depending, like for the, the person you're talking about, would be maybe five, six hundred thousand a year um, when you work for Facebook and Google and those uh, those type of people. Um, on average, we're talking about maybe ninety k going up um, for most of those type of roles. And if you work as a contractor, which I, I do, I work as a contractor, you, you charge, you have a daily rate. Mm-hmm. So um, daily rates can be 600, 700 a day, 800 a day um, along those marks. But the, the, something I want to really stress is the fact that it's actually, um, there's no limit to how much you can make. Um, so this is the traditional kind of way of, I want to learn to code, I'm going to get a job, and, and I'm going to get paid. Mm-hmm. There's also the digital product, which might be a completely different talk, but building a digital product is um, the most rewarding thing that you can ever do. I always compare it to being a builder who doesn't own a home, mm. right? Um, being a software developer, and yet not having a product of your own is, for me, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really want to scale uh, and make some serious money, it makes sense to build products of your own as well. And when you say products, is that, you know, leaning towards digital products or just you looking at things like apps and stuff like that or other digital kind of, I guess, properties, I, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. So digital products. Yeah, so when, when I started learning to code, this is what really changed my mind. It wasn't the job aspect of it. I One day speaking with um, the estate agent that I was dealing with, and they told me they had some uh, issues they wanted to, uh, some app they wanted to build to track when rent is due, when maintenance um, issues needed fixing on different properties and who is going to deal with those uh, maintenance issues. I just I went home and I started coding it out for them. This is the very early stages. I had lots of learn to code for dummies, and I was just just eating through these books and just teaching myself. And this is why I say learning through real projects really helps. So it's complete baptism by fire. <laughs> so I, le- I built these products for them, and I went back to uh, to sh- to give it to them. It was about two and a half months it took me to do it, back and forth communicating with them. And they paid me for the pro- for the product, and I was, you know, I couldn't believe it. Got a few thousand pounds for that. I said, okay, cool. And then he, the owner of the business, said to me, his name is Chris. He said, um, "What is the maintenance cost for this?" Mm. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I've built the product, <laughs> I've deployed it. It's live. <laughs> it's yours, right? Then I just randomly just plucked a number from thin air. Okay, three hundred fifty pounds a month. And that was it. And then he said to me, he has a friend who owns um, uh, a construction business. He wants exactly the same thing. And all I had to do 
was literally duplicate the code, literally mm-hmm. copy and paste, make two copies of the same um, project and deploy the other one for his friend. And his friend paid me uh, for building him the app and I charged him maintenance again. So I thought, oh, wow. So this is crazy. Two people have paid me for the same job and and also paying me a monthly uh, retainer or uh, maintenance for the project. So what stops me from approaching other estate agents? Uh, I was living in North London, Palmer's Green at this point. So I just did that. My whole every day, I kept approaching different estate agents and um, selling them exactly the same product. And that was the start of my my digital portfolio, as it were. I can build these products, sell them to the same type of uh, businesses yeah. so I don't have to redesign everything or recreate anything. And then, and that was it. So from that perspective, there is literally no limit to how much you can make. Yeah, because um, I think what you're talking about there is basically a product that can scale is what they would call it in absolutely. the business world. It's, it's proving a, a, a problem, solving the problem, building it out, packaging, and then scaling it out from there, essentially. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So anyone who's learning to code, I always say to them, uh, let's start from there. Where, where do you live? And then we'll go through a process of discovering uh, unique businesses around them. And then we don't build dummy uh, portfolios. We build real ones. So we contact those companies. Maybe you're interested in uh, yoga instructors around your area. You go through online, which is very easy these days. You get a list of them. You call them up. Essentially, you just say, I'm a software developer. I can see you have an online presence. Uh, it's not that great due to X, Y reasons. I can make you something completely from scratch. Um, then you're actually building your portfolio as someone who's learning to code based on a real business. Mm. It's actually going to pay you for that. Now, at the end of that, you can begin the process of scaling it up. But if anything, you get back your investment. Um, so that's that's my my process of learning to code is from the angle of business as opposed to just learning. So at the end, you can ask for jobs. So how yeah. so how does it work with what you do with um, CodeHance now? So obviously, you've learned coding, you've got your own digital products, you've got your own business set up. So what, what how does it work from a teaching people how to code point of view? Yeah, so teaching how to code essentially is what I said earlier is one uh, to create a roadmap is to introduce to you what you don't actually know. It's kind of knowing what you don't know. So we look at the job market. And I show you what's going on. I show you the jobs that are out there, and then we look at all the different things that job is asking for. We look at a few of those types of jobs, and then I have um, already created. Uh, lots of online videos. So that's what Codance is. Um, a, a bunch of videos grouped in a way that would guide you as a roadmap. You, you complete this bunch first, then you do the next one, then the next one, and you go through all the um, assignments. And then twice every week, uh, 6 p.m. Mondays and Thursdays, we have Zoom workshop. So you get to meet other people who are learning to code and we have a private Slack channel for all the students. So if you get stuck, maybe on a Tuesday, for example, you can log into Slack and you can put your message up there. And people who started 
uh, a few weeks ahead of you uh, have the chance to revise by trying to, to give you some assistance. And I have the, some of the people who've, you know, alumni, people who've left and now working in tech also come to give some talks to um, encourage people and say, okay, this is, this is what I'm building now. I w I'm working as a freelancer or I'm working as a, a developer in this company, etc. So it's a whole rounded system because what I found is, which is a shocking statistics, that less than 10% of people who buy courses on Udemy actually finish the course. Less yeah, than 10%. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. That does not surprise me at all because I've also and, got a course. It's, it's, I've got a course yeah, that people exactly. will start and they will not finish. And I'm like, but you paid money for this. <laughs> you still not finished yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is where my um, my background as, as, a, as a Paralympian comes in. So I think to myself, well, I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't have made it to the games if I had to motivate myself train myself and encourage myself to eat the right things. Mm -hmm. I had a, you know, someone who planned my meals for me. I had a coach for when I'm out on the water rowing. I had another coach who actually wrote all the programs that I had to follow. So having that accountability uh, was definitely my key uh, to doing that. So I thought, well, how can I build uh, an online learning platform and expect people just to log in at their own time and learn when they've got unlimited movies on Netflix. <laughs> I can't try I can't win against those those uh, distractions. So so that's why I have this uh, feedback system where uh, before you actually sign up to Code Hands, we have uh, like a chat uh, where we decide. I try to explain to people the need for consistency. Uh, you can't code today, skip three days, and then jump back in again. The consistency is required. Is this really something that you think that you want to do? And if it is, you know, let's plan, give me your commitment. So let's do that. that so, so that's basically how uh, it all comes together. I think the consistency piece is a really big thing, though. And it's not just about learning to code. It's actually more of a general life kind of thing. You need consistency to complete. Oh, yes. Because otherwise, if you Absolutely. start, you start then you come back to it and you do it kind of like half-hearted. You're never going to progress to anything yes, absolutely. that's tangible. Yes. So it's a really key kind yes. of like life lesson and stuff like that. Okay. So, I mean, I guess for, for people who may have listened to this and are think or have been thinking about coding or they want to build their own app or they want to get into, I guess, a, a career where they've got autonomy and they're picking up a skill set, which... I mean, I wish that I, I knew how to code and I wish that I learned coding many, many years ago. It might be something I need to have a look at because I need to, I've got an idea in my head of an app that I want to build for conversation of money to help pull people together into, uh, into a community that is available on your phone. That was always the vision when I started this in 2020, thinking it all up was, was you know, getting it onto a phone. But for people who may be listening to this, um, you obviously have the initial call with them, the accountability of a program. How long is the program actually for? Six months. Okay. So it's a commitment of six yeah. months. Um, That's right. And you've got videos, you've got weekly calls. Is it bi-weekly bi calls you do, two, two calls a week? Uh, no, we weekly calls, twice a week, yes. Twice a yeah. week? Twice a week, to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. To give you some accountability, yeah. what, what's the best way for people to basically contact you to sign up, so on and so forth, to learn a little bit more? Yeah, it's, it's basically going onto the website. So if you have a link, which would be... Um, I can put, I can put one in. I'll put, well, so, I'll put it in the show notes, yeah. guys. Yeah, so, so, so it's called Hans. 
dot uh, com, um, c o d e h a n c e dot com. Um, yeah, so that's there's a calendar on there, and you can you can sign up there. Perfect. So, guys, if if this is of interest to you, um, go and check out the link in the show notes and and go and check it out. I think with all these kind of things, skill sets are really really important. I mean, my skill set is in financial services, investing, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of my profession now. But it's funny that it doesn't matter what profession you're in, that because tech technology is so far reaching, coding and tech always tends to merge with your industry in some way, shape, or form. And I think in the investment space, we're seeing that with the rise of all of these investment apps, so on and so forth. So if you want to either be a freelancer or you want to build something of your own or you're just interested in coding, this may be something that may be of real interest to you. So check out the link in the bio. The reason why I did this episode is really because obviously we talk about money as a tool, life is for living. And this year, I do want to bring ideas to you guys that will allow you to increase your income, create that freedom for yourselves, be able to make money that will help you create the life that you want. So hopefully this has been really, really useful. Are there any kind of last words that you you would leave people with, Kingsley? Yeah, I'll definitely say if it's something that um, you really want to do, um, taking action is really important. The first step in every okay. single thing that we achieve in life is taking action. And even if the action is just to check and see for yourself, which is really important, I think you should definitely do it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an industry that's changed my, my life completely. I know this is the very last one we mentioned very briefly about um, uh, the Paralympics. Um, having disability for me, uh, physical disabilities in a wheelchair and crutches, for me, I, was, I wasn't sure what type of job I would be able to do in the future. Mm. And tech really, really opened that door for me. Um, I, haven't been, I haven't been broke since I was 21 years old. <laughs> it's a <laughs> long time. And being broke, is, is, um, the definition for me has really changed. Less than fifty grand in the bank is maybe a type of new broke, mm-hmm. and I I really give put all that down to to um, to tech to technology. So uh, I would encourage encourage anybody to look into it. Um, and not think that you know because I'm 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 a female, it's not for me. It's engineering, it's not for me, or uh, anything like that. Um, so I, I, everybody should look into it for themselves. It's really important. Yeah, and I think skill sets are really really important. Skill sets set you apart. Skill sets give you options. It gives you the ability to market yourself, to build something of your own fruition. Yeah. I, th- I definitely think, though, through, and you'll probably agree with this, Kingsley, through obviously COVID and the pandemic, people kind of realize that you can't rely on yeah. one job for financial security. No. If you're living in, well, if you're living in the UK, particularly in England, if you want to buy your own your own home, you could probably can't rely on one income to do that. So being able Absolutely. to have strings to your bow different streams of income to help you get to a more stable financial footing is really really important and i just think with with coding the way tech is going with the metaverse and all of this tech technological advances coding will be a bedrock for a lot of this stuff so if you have enjoyed this go check out the link in the uh show notes but guys i appreciate you as always thank you so much for uh for listening to this episode um this will probably come out the week that my uh, show on Channel 4 uh, comes out. Secret Spenders is going to be on Channel 4. Um, the past week has been ridiculous. It's been very, very surreal getting phone calls to say that they want you on this TV show and this TV show. 
um, you'll see some of this through the week. Um, whilst I'm recording this, I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited, but I don't have specifics just yet. I have some of them that are like tentatively booked in. They're not fully marked in my diary in ink just yet. So uh, stay tuned to the Instagram, stay tuned to the, to the YouTube. I'll give you more information a bit later on, but it's very, very exciting. And I hope that you have an amazing week, whatever it is that you're doing. Catch you later on. And remember, money is a tool, life is for living. Catch you later. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.